Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone. Welcome to the Do More of Your Money podcast. Uh, great to be back here again with uh, fellow colleagues. Um, episode 192, Chris. Can't believe Fantastic. we've got that far. I think we've done at least more than two together. At least more than three. More than two together. But yeah, great, great to have you here today. And I think we've got a, a great topic and some um, some great individuals, just to, some discussion points to talk around. Uh, topic today around market movements and your investments, and and just really focusing around why you know investments are a long term. Uh, vehicle for, for clients uh, money and, and actually talk a bit about the volatility and what we've seen over the last uh, few few months. Um, you know, I think that is actually important from our perspective in terms of transparency with clients. Um, but Jeff, can I just come to you first, please, and just give us, rather than uh, just go that what's happened now, but actually just what's happened over the last few years in terms of market yeah. movements. I think the, the last couple of years have certainly been typified by things that we haven't seen over the last 10 years, for example. And what do I mean by that? If we think about the change in the inflation backdrop post-COVID, um, something that we've spent a lot of time talking about and all of our our listeners are, are very familiar with, but certainly inflation and that rise and significant rise of inflation is something that markets have been challenged by. Why have they been challenged by it? Because central banks have reacted. Central banks have reacted by putting up interest rates and those interest rates effectively have raised the cost of capital across all asset markets. And that's had very significant effects when we look at equity markets, but also more materially when we look at what's happened in sovereign bond markets over that period of time. So if we think about sovereign bonds and we think maybe just let's look at the UK market. So sovereign bond issued by the, the UK government, 10-year guilt, for example. If we look from where that peaked in terms of the yield and if we think about yield moves inversely to price, so as the yield goes up, the price of a bond comes down. If we look at that 10-year guilt over, over from peak to trough, we've went from 0.1% to 4.5% in terms of the, the yield in that guilt. Now, what does that mean then in terms of price? That means that the price has fallen some 35% over that period of time. And this is crucially important because bond markets, they're larger than equity markets. They are that market which sets the cost of capital for global assets. And it's really that change in the bond market that has impacted assets across the piece and that impacted portfolios. That's been the the key major dynamic over the, 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 the last two years, one would argue. I think when we then start to think about that in the the more short term, what's happened more recently in terms of of asset markets, it's been really a continuation of that theme, very much driven by, one would contend, three factors, the middle of the summer, July, August, which just increased further volatility into bond markets in particular. And bond market volatility, when we think about where it is today, we can look at something called the move index. It lets us get a sense of volatility in the US Treasury market. Today, it's at comparable levels to it was in the global financial crisis. So that gives you a sense of how elevated volatility is. But global financial crisis, it was front and centre of the news. Doesn't make a great news headline to have in the six o'clock news we're talking about the bond market. Except when... We saw that significant period of stress with the trust quartile budget. That was probably the last time we've really seen major media talk about the challenges in the bond market. But that's that's 
that's really the, the crux of the issue, Jamie. What's happened in the in the bond market over that period of time? And from an investor perspective, you know, how has that helped? How has that affected our portfolios from an investment point of view? Because well, I know that's obviously bonds are a consideration when you're yeah. looking at investing clients' money. Yeah. And certainly that's been one of the, the key challenges for us. So if we look at that two-year period and you think about global equities over the last two years, if we think about that in local currency terms, probably down around 7 or 8%. But if you think about that in global sovereign bonds, you're down around probably 20 to 23%. So really it's that which has happened in the bond element of the portfolios has been the real challenge. And that's where risk has manifested itself. Mm-hmm. And that has seen across all of the portfolios. The lower risk portfolios typically have a higher exposure to bonds. Now then the other point that I think is really important to bring out is that that bond market sensitivity does change when one thinks about the duration of a bond. So whether it's two-year bond, five, ten, thirty-year bond, the longer the duration, the more sensitive it is to interest rate movements, changes in, in inflation. If you remember, we talked about the 10-year gilt and we said the price there was down around 30, 35% over that period. If we look at the 30-year gilt for another comparison, peak to trough, the price there is down around 53%. Mm. So different durations have different impacts on the value of the, the bond. And that just comes through in different ways within the portfolios. If we take our balance portfolio, for example, duration there is around seven years. Mm. So relatively short duration, but just thinking about any form of duration in that period of significantly rising interest rates is is problematic from a a, a bonds price perspective. And, and Chris, I'll, I'll come across to you because you know in terms of looking at the markets over, I suppose a twenty year period in volatility. If we're looking at this period of time with the bond markets, is this something we've seen before, or you know, um, just thinking back certainly over the last twenty years. It's it's not really something that, that we've seen before. So you've not seen interest rates rise that quickly, certainly over that 20-year period. Now, I think you know, if we look back at sort of returns over that 20-year period, so that I definitely define that as, as long-term. Yeah. And what I did here is that I took um, an index, so it's 60% global equities, 40% bonds. Now, I've done that because it's seen as a kind of proxy for a balanced portfolio. So over 20 years you would have stayed invested, you would have received a return over the last 20 years of around 311%. So again, that illustrates the kind of returns that, that you can get. Obviously, over that long term, it's a specific period, but it is over that 20-year period. Now, within that, what was that characterized by? A couple of things. So obviously, we saw the, the GFC, the Great Financial Crisis, 2008. It was certainly, for me, the most, most challenging year in my career by a a long, long way. Um, as well as that, you've also seen you know, quite an era of low interest rates as well. You've seen things such as quantitative easing come through as well. So again, that's been quite helpful for, for certain asset classes. You've seen US equity dominance as well come through in that that 20-year period. You know, think of some of those kind of big growth stocks like Meta, Facebook, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, the incredible price rises that you've seen through some of them as well. So um a real kind of mixed period is what I'm trying to say over the 20 years, like some really sort of favourable conditions when you look back. But then what I would argue has certainly been you know, probably one of the most 
toughest period in, in the whole of history in respect of, of financial institutions, which is, is 2008. Thank you. Jim, the other thing to think about that in that historical context is, is the magnitude and the quantum of that interest rate increase. So if you think about, we've went from effectively 0.1 in the UK to 525. If you look back into the, the 70s, and the late 70s, early 80s, in terms of the interest rate changes that were coming through there, they were coming through from higher levels. Mm. But the magnitude of the interest rate change that we've seen today takes us back comparable to that time when we were last having to deal with significant inflation in global economies, which was the late 70s into the early 80s. So for a historical comparison, that's probably the two periods in which you can think about something similar in terms of the quantum of the in interest increase and, that you've seen. And I think as, as end clients, and, and we all have this all the time, in terms of like what does the rise of interest rates mean to individuals, it's typically their mortgages and their mortgage yeah. payments, et cetera. What, what do we think, you know, in terms of um, the Bank of England, you know, we've obviously this considerations whether it's going to stay flat over a period of time and if we, if we come to the end of that. I think this. we've always said we've been in a very low interest rate environment mm -hmm. and what, what would you expect the aim to be for the Bank of England to get that interest rate to? So if we look, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pertinent question given what we've just yeah. heard from the bank today yeah. and again, no change from yeah. their policy. Interestingly, when we look back to the last meeting, it was effectively split um, with with uh, Andrew Bailey having the the casting vote um, to, to keep things um unchanged last meeting. This time there was more of it, there was a majority actually voting for no change. So I think that's quite telling mm. in and of itself as to potentially we're getting closer to that peak mm. of, of interest rate expectations. But also I think the other thing that we can't dismiss is the fact that rates may stay slightly higher for longer. Yeah. And that whilst there, if you look at the, the statement with the, the bank's release today, rates aren't, aren't expected to go as high in terms of their forecasts either and certainly that's what's been reflected into the market today and the same thing probably holds for Europe to an extent US is maybe slightly different because of whilst we heard from the Fed uh, during the week no change in, in rates there and probably an acknowledgement actually for the first time from the, the Federal Reserve that we were seeing the impact of or the lagged impact mm -hmm of the previous rate rises feeding through into financial conditions. So in, in con rounding that all out, we're probably closer to the peak or yeah. at peak. Yes. And that's probably a good thing. And that's a positive thing because for, for investors. Because yeah. the thing that's been driving the volatility in mm. bond markets has been interest rates moving at a clip of 50 basis points per meeting or yeah. in the case of the US, 75 basis yes. points per meeting. So that which has been causing the volatility, i.e. rate moves, hopefully we're at a point where we can say there's less need for further interest rate increases, all else being equal on the inflation front. But likely that those rates stay at a higher level yeah. for a longer period of, of time. And it's, it's kind of this ties into a little bit, of we talk around 20 years of you know markets and, and how you manage market volatility over that period of time. And Chris, you mentioned two big events, but... From an investor's perspective, Luke, you know, when I give advice to a client, it's always, you know, this is a minimum of five years investment yeah. in, in a, on a long-term basis. And I, and I think it's, if we could just tackle this question from two points, because some things I get asked quite often is that 
you know, someone my age, you know, a long-term investment, I'm accumulating, I'm trying to accumulate wealth for retirement, but there might yeah. be people closer to retirement yeah. that there may be, you know, they've had the volatility over the last few years, seen, seen a, a, you know, a decrease. How do they look at that as well? So there's two questions, I suppose, in one there. Yeah, I suppose it, it all depends on your investment time frame. And we always say time in the market, I'm not trying to time the market. But if someone's in accumulation stage, maybe they're in their 30s, 40s, and they're working towards retirement at 65, they obviously have a, a personally a longer investment time frame where they could maybe take more risk and go to a more aggressive portfolio. But, you know, a lot of our clients, and the majority of our pension clients, they'll have pensions with us. They may be retiring, say, at age 65. If we look at the average life expectancy in the UK for a male is 85, 87 for a female, that's still a 20-year investment time frame in which their pension can remain invested. That's not to say maybe they could take less risk. You could meet with your advisor. You could maybe go into a more cautious portfolio. But it's really important to remember that just because you're going into decumulation stage, you can still afford to maybe take some risk of your pension. And, you know, your pension asset, your other assets, it could be used for legacy planning as well. Start to think about gifts for, for children, grandchildren, etc. Your advisor can sit you down and work out how much of your pension you might need, how much could be left for legacy planning. But if you start to think about, you know, this being passed on to, to children, grandchildren, you've got a 50, 60, 70 year investment time frame, a window that shows you've got time on your side. All this volatility we've had over the last two years, ultimately, if you have time in the market, it's time for those assets to recover. So it's really important to sit with your advisor, note those goals down, look at how much you want to leave, how much you want to spend. You can discuss risk, but ultimately, a longer investment time frame means you've got time on your side to, to make the assets the, grow. The thing that sort of also feeds into that is that we talk a lot about the need to invest for the long term. Mm. And it sounds like a very simple concept, mm. isn't it? But it's actually exceptionally difficult because psychologically we're all driven by the want to make change, yeah. to take action. But it's also focusing on that long term and not taking action is the difficult aspect of it. And I think that's the thing that we all need to think about, that behaviourally we want to take action, we feel better by taking action, but maybe you don't need to take action. Yeah. You leave things be, let them move. And I think that's something that's probably exacerbated a little bit by what you see in the media. Yeah. It's about short-termism. Yeah. Whereas what we're trying to engender is a view and an understanding that time in the market is a much better concept, which is long-term, but it's difficult. Yeah. It sounds exceptionally easy. But it's a very difficult yeah, thing to you've get got, across. Well, we talked around this uh, earlier on today, but if you look back at the financial crisis, very different world then in terms of, you know, from an investor perspective, you, you didn't have the social media, you didn't have the access to the information. Yeah. Um, it was on a more regular basis. So you had you, a slightly different concept where now but we're seeing that volatility. You can see a lot more and there's, there's different things from social media perspective that come through. So it is, it is just around, just understand that it is a long-term a long-term investment, a long-term thinking, um, and that's quite that's quite important from from my perspective because you, you made a good point there in terms of interest rates flattening, and if there were you know the, there was always going to be a top and at some point, and that's when you start to think that things might actually get better. We always knew that was going to happen. It's just when is it going to happen? It's just sitting in your seat a little bit to, and, and to control that. It, it's, it's also important to think about that and the concept of within multi-asset portfolios mm. that. It might not be that things are getting better. It might be that the way assets in the portfolios are, they work differently. 
And really, if we think about back to where we started the conversation, the challenge there was that we had both fixed income assets and equity assets being correlated together. So if they were going up, they were going up together. If they were going down, they were going down together. And that's all tied to the inflation and the interest rate environment. If we're thinking into the future where that might be different, if interest rates are being reduced, it might be because the economies are slowing and that should be positive for the fixed income elements of portfolios. It might cause challenges elsewhere, but that's certainly something that with the way interest rates have moved and the way sovereign bonds have moved, you're now getting compensation for being exposed to those those assets. So Jeff... In terms of, you know, some, a question I get asked quite often from clients is, should I just sit this out for a period of time and wait till the, the bumpiness goes off and then and then get back invested? And I always kind of say, well, if you know when the bumpiness is going to end, that would be that would that might not sound a bad plan, but we don't know when that's going to end. Is yeah. what would you, you know, both of you, what would you think of, of that sort of situation? I think for me, it's very it's very much about thinking about what is it that would give me an informational advantage to say I can say that is the right thing to do today versus yesterday mm. knowing that the market is kind of up or down mm. roughly mm. 50% of the time so either up 50% or down 50% of the yeah. time that's a very difficult call to make it's a, it's a coin flip mm. so why would one try to do that why would one not structure a set of assets that through time Focusing on that longer term allows you to achieve the goals that that, that looks yeah. looks discussing. So, yes, you can think about broader signals in the market that might say at an asset class level, I want to own more equities or I want to own bonds. But to be all in or all out mm. is a very difficult decision to make. And I think the more difficult and more challenging aspect of that, going back to that long termism point, it's very easy to say I'm coming out. Yeah. Because it's all in the headlines, it's all very negative. But nobody's going to ring a bell and say, well done for coming out, how do I get back in mm. to the market? And I mm. think that's why it's it's much more about staying invested and using those opportunities mm. just to incrementally potentially just add through a direct debit. Yeah. If you're just buying on a, on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis, yeah. over time, buying higher, buying lower, it yeah, will works. Well, it works for you. Yeah, it's interesting. So I've got a, a slide here. So just on uh, the kind of first slide I was going to show, which is basically looking at it's a chart of that same sixty forty index that I was talking about, and it goes all the way back to nineteen ninety nine, and it shows what happens if you ah it's on the screen now. What happens if you stay invested, which is the top line, the the purple line. And then it shows what happens if you take out the 10 best days. Now, to give you the figures behind that, the starting point is £200,000. So if you stay invested, it reaches 800000 But if you take out the 10 best days, bear in mind, think how many days there are from 1999 all the way up to, to now. Take out just the 10 best days, that 200000 goes to less than 600000 So for me... That really shows the importance of, of staying invested. Yeah. Not being able to judge. I think this is the thing. You, you do, as yeah, Jeff says, exactly, you, don't, yeah. you don't know when the yeah. ups and downs are going to be. Um, another one that Luke and I get quite often, I'll, I'll direct this towards you, Chris, is obviously the uh, increase in interest rates has affected cash. And you can see in, in many, I'll just 
you know, say a couple of things around this in terms of percentage cash that you can get interest rates in the bank. And what I would say is there's different types of products and you should consider that because just because you're getting offered a, a rate within the bank of four or five percent, um, if it's in a bank account, there is tax implications that you need to understand on that. Uh, but we'll come back to that point. What's the what's the views on that? And actually, out, out of interest, I'm glad we have cash in the portfolios. Yeah, absolutely. So I think maybe to answer your last point first. Yeah. So we do have cash in the portfolios. It's held really three ways. So the first way is we have cash with our custodian, which is a bit like holding cash in a bank account. Yeah. That tends to be quite small, mm-hmm. and that's for daily trading, etc. Mm-hmm. We then hold cash with money market funds. Mm-hmm. Then we also hold cash in, in short-dated bonds as well, so less than one year. So for us, cash is a tool where we're receiving a significantly higher yield on it mm-hmm. compared to, say, two years ago in the same way that you know, someone looking at a national savings account or something like yeah. that will receive more than what they would receive two years ago. Now, it's probably, we were actually discussing this, weren't we, a couple of days ago. Um, it's may come as a bit of a surprise, but we've actually taken cash down within the portfolios. So if you look year to date at the balance portfolio, we've taken around about half a percent out of cash. And the rationale behind that is really building on what Jeff was saying. And that's because we've seen opportunity elsewhere. You know, we've seen opportunity in fixed income and we've seen opportunity in equity. Therefore, we're happy to, to spend some of that cash. But maybe just thinking around, you know, cash and kind of forward-looking returns. And I've got a, another slide on this. Very exciting. So what we've got here is um, my final slide, which is uh, there we go. That's the one. And what this shows is um, basically forward-looking returns. So these are expected returns that are independently formulated away from us. So they're formulated by Morningstar. And what this looks at is potential expected returns on average for the next 20 years. So bar on the left, global equities, the one in the middle, global bonds, and the one on the right is cash. And so there's two points, really. I think the first point is you can see that after the volatility we've recently experienced, expected returns are higher. You'd expect that. I think the second point, and hopefully this is very, very clear from the slide, you can actually see that expected returns on cash are the lowest out of all of those asset classes. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is, as a long-term investor, if you want to hit your goals, Mm -hmm. then you need to be invested in risk assets. Totally agree. I think, Luke, just to finish on the point that I mentioned around the tax implications. Sure, so interest on cash, if it's a savings rate, you know, you might get 4 or 5%, which sounds attractive, especially at the minute of volatility. But in, in a savings account, there's no tax benefits in, in an ISA or a pension where you have tax-free growth. So it's always urge caution. If you're going to look at, to remove from an ISA or a pension to go into these products. The tax, the interest is tax is income. So if you are earning income, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, you have a £1,000 limit where you can earn interest. After that, you'll pay a basic rate tax. That limit's reduced for hiring additional rate taxpayers. So if you're hiring additional rate taxpayer, you, you'll lose nearly half of all the interest which is taking that down to maybe 2 3%. It's always something to consider. You know, with, with pensions and ISAs, you're not likely to get that higher rate on cash that we're seeing on the high street. Great. Thanks, Luke. And Jeff, we'll, we'll let you finish off on here. I think I'm, I'm not asking you for a prediction. So I think it's, it's <laughs> please don't think I am. But actually, you know, we've, we're nearly at the end of the year. Like I can't believe it's getting dark outside, which definitely tells you you're getting near the end of the year. Where do we see markets over the next sort of few few months in terms of what are the ch- not so much challenges? What's the things that we should be looking out for? Maybe one way to frame it is 
what can we say about what we have seen and what we expect to continue to see. And I think the first one of those is that time of disinflation that we've been in over the recent period. So we've seen inflation continue to come down. I think we can say that we expect that trend to be sustained and that probably feeds into interest rates being at or close to their peak. So that that's two things that I think we can probably say is 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 going to continue. Hopefully that means that volatility in sovereign bonds as well starts to come down a little bit. And certainly that would be very beneficial for the bond market in and of itself, but also for, for equity markets as well. So taking that together, there's a number of factors that have been displaying and bringing about the volatility in asset classes that we, we may be able to start to say are starting to look close to or being behind us. That in and of itself would offer a much better starting point for us. I think the other thing to, to say is, it builds on something Chris was saying, that within the portfolios, our managers themselves, they are seeing more opportunity within sovereign bonds today than they have done for a very long time. And that just comes back to that fact that those yields today are much more attractive than they have been in any period in maybe the last 20 years. So there is that element of, of portfolios as well. And then just that role of different assets at different points in time within the portfolios. So some, some reasons for optimism. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Um, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, very much. Good session then. I think um, hopefully we've answered some, some key questions that have come from clients. Uh, so I really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for uh, listening um, and uh, listening to what the, the gentlemen have had to say today. Uh, please do feel free to contact us if you do have any uh, further information or subscribe and like the uh, the podcast video. So thank you very much. Hope you have a, a good day. Thank you.